Psalms 118, verse 24, please. And someone want to read when they get there. This is the day Yahweh has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. All right. Notice it says, this is the day which Yahweh has made. And when I was reading this this morning, or when it came to me this morning, this is more than just, you know, a general day. You know, we know that every general day Yahweh has made. But he is speaking about the day. It says, this is the day which Yahweh has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. The day is the Shabbat. That's why Torah believers are so excited to look for the Shabbat coming, Shabbat coming, Sabbath coming, I mean, the instant the Shabbat's over, you're already excited about the next one. So it says, this is the day, which I believe is in reference to the Shabbat, which Yahweh has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it, it again referencing the Shabbat. So I thought that was an interesting tidbit. All right, so that was not part of my message or anything, but nonetheless, any thoughts on that? Okay, go to 1 Corinthians 13. Now, what we're about to read, we all know, is the love chapter. But there's a couple verses in here that, to me, will work great humility within you if you yield to them. Uh, if someone wants to read verses 1 through 3. If I should speak in every language of men and with cherubs, but I do not have love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophesied and know all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to move mountains, but do not have love in my heart, I am nothing. And if I give out all my possessions to the poor, and if I surrender my body so that I may boast, but I do not have love in my heart, I am not profited anything. All right. The first verse basically says, 
You can do, er you can have every gift imaginable. You can know Torah backward and frontward. You can know every Hebrew word there is. You can speak in tongues. You can prophesy. You can heal the sick. You can cast out devils. It doesn't say that, but I'm just ad-libbing. But if you don't have love, you're, ju you're just a bunch of noise. In the same way in verses 2 and 3, you can have all these su great supernatural powers. You can know, like I said, Torah backward and forward. You can debate with people and you can win every debate concerning your knowledge of Torah. But if you don't have love, the scripture says you're nothing. At the end of this verse, it says, there is faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. I remember reading a testimony years ago about Jewish people coming to the Messiah. And they said the thing that drew them was not their knowledge of Torah because they did not have the same knowledge or understanding that the Jewish people had. But what drew them was that the people that were witnessing to them and the people that they got to know that were serving Messiah, they had something that they never received in synagogue or through their rabbi leaders. And the key thing was love. They said that's what drew them. They saw the love of the Messiah in, the, in people. Not that those people knew more concerning Torah than them or any other thing but it was the love that drew them. And there are many people today that they may know the word. They may know the laws and commandments. They may have great understanding of it. But when they share it, they come across mean. They come across haughty. They come across angry. They come across fleshly. And they don't come across in a spirit of meekness, gentleness, with love and compassion. And when I read that people like this, according to the scripture, in, God, in Yahweh's eyes, they're nothing. Because we have to have love for one another. When you meet someone that doesn't understand what you understand, we have to have the love of Messiah flooding out of us into them to be a witness to them. We cannot be, you know, of the flesh. We cannot minister through the flesh. We cannot minister without the spirit of the living Yahweh. And so love, that's why it says love is the most important thing because without it, you don't have nothing. Then it says love suffers long. And love is kind. 
Love envies not. Love does not puff itself up. It does not behave itself unseemingly. Love does not seek its own. It is not easily provoked. It thinks no evil. It rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. You know, one of the things that came to me, and it just lines up with this, love always keeps believing. Love always keeps hoping. Love always keeps giving others hope and encouragement, regardless of how bad their situation is. Now, it doesn't um, ignore the fact that a person may be in sin or wickedness, but it, it deals with that in the spirit of meekness. Look in uh, Galatians chapter 6. In the very first verse. Brothers, if any man among you goes before you in error, you who are in the spirit, restore him by the spirit of gentleness and beware, lest temptation also comes upon you. This version says you restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. So you have to ask yourself, you know, things that you say, are you coming across in a spirit of meekness or in the love of the Messiah? Think about it. The woman caught in the act of adultery, the law said she should be stoned. You know, and obviously whenever I read that, I got to say this. The law actually said that when someone's caught in the act of adultery, both parties were to be stoned. But for whatever reason, they only brought the woman there. Yeah. Now, some have said that the man that was caught within them was a rabbi, a person in the community that you know, so that's why he wasn't there. They were just trying to do whatever. But nonetheless, Yeshua's response was, I don't condemn you, go and sin no more. So, we have to walk in love, especially in these last days, as we try to witness and bring people into the understanding that the Torah is as much for today as it was back in the Old Testament days. Hallelujah. All right. Now, all that was just different things that came to me this week. What we're going to talk about today is um, attacking wickedness, spiritual warfare, 
and wicked spirits and lawlessness and the wicked themselves. What does Yahweh's word say about it? So let's first start in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. That says, he that practices sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of Yahweh was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So, it says here that Yeshua was manifested that he might destroy the works of the evil one. Now, remember in Matthew 6, where Yeshua is teaching his disciples to pray, and he said, pray, um, thou art in heaven, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And then he says, to deliver us from the evil one. Okay, Yahweh does not want us to put up with evil. He does not want us to swallow it and just say, Kesara, Sarah, that's just the way it, it is. He doesn't want us to put up with it in our nation. He doesn't want us to put up with it in governments. He doesn't want us to put up with it in our families, on our jobs. And so you and I, as we've taught in past, Yahweh can't do anything unless he has a voice. He needs a voice in the earth to agree with him concerning what his laws and commandments say. And then for you and I to release what he says concerning situation, circumstances, or what people say. To release what he says concerning governments. To release what he says concerning sin. To release what he says concerning, we'll just hit it, abortion, homosexuality, uh, idolatry, adultery, um, Fornication, drug trafficking, sex trafficking, um, lying, stealing, whatever. And so it says here that Yeshua came to destroy these works. And he, in the 90s, um, started to release principles concerning spiritual warfare that, you know, a lot of people in the body jumped on, but you very seldom hear much about it anymore today because the fad is over. But the spiritual principle is not over. The anointing concerning spiritual warfare is not over. The victories that we need to accomplish for the kingdom 
by the power of his name and spirit are not over. So this is to refresh ourselves, to stir up the gifts and callings of Yahweh that are within you, and for you to arise to higher heights and to deal with issues that he has called you to deal with concerning your nation, your city, your state, your governments, your friends, your families, places where you work, and to see people delivered from the evil one, and to see Yahweh's kingdom come and his will to be done. So let's start off in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 7. Now this verse, probably five, six, seven, eight years ago, when we were meeting down at the beach, this word came to me, and we preached it for weeks. And it says that the wicked are no more, but the house of the righteous shall stand. So this is what Yahweh is asking us to agree with Him that the wicked, wickedness, lawlessness, wicked spirits, things that are going behind the scenes that are wicked, whether it's in Washington or in your house, it says, they shall be no more. And there are many righteous people that are under attack by the evil one with sickness, disease, loss, pain, suffering, so on and so forth. And he said, the wicked are no more. I also believe that you can begin to say this wicked illness is no more in my body. This wicked disease attacking me is no more. It's dead at the roots. It will not prosper. It will not go any further. It will, matter of fact, begin to retract itself and flee in holy terror from my body. James 4, 7. Submit yourself to Yahweh. Submit yourself to His laws and commandments. Resist everything that the devil is about. Resist wickedness. Resist sickness and disease. Resist lack. Resist strife. Resist the works of the flesh, whatever. And it says, and it will flee from you. So the wicked are no more. His wicked diseases are no more. We call that, what is wrong?